Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. We're talking Batman the Animated Series, 30-year anniversary. This is part two. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. This is Tommy Smith and Reigns. And I'm Clifton. Here we are, finally, part two. <laughs> uh, it was supposed to drop last week, but uh, unfortunately, I was a bit under the weather, so we postponed it a week. Um, it's also why I sound the way I sound. I'm still kind of, uh, still kind of kicking it a little bit, so... Uh, I apologize for my voice. I apologize for the confusion. Um, but here we are looking at just why Batman the Animated Series is so enduring. Be sure to check out part one from three weeks back. If you haven't already, we talk about some of the notable villains and voice cast. So um, today I thought maybe it would be fun to just kind of like hit, you know, uh, uh, hit the nail on the head. Like just go, obviously, what actually makes the show sort of enduring standout sophisticated different uh, uh, apart from some of the stuff that we talked talked about last week or three weeks ago <laughs> so like for example so for me like th- this is a very very small thing but it's kind of important for me like like um the older i get the more astounded i am that they use like bullets in the show instead of lasers yeah right um this is interestingly something I've never really heard the creators talk about. And, and like, I've watched a ton of panels and read a bunch of interviews and I've never heard of any, any sort of like battle to, to make that allowable with, 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 uh, uh, you know, the brass or anything like that. I don't know if they had any fight for that or anything like that. Um, but it's unconventional. You don't see it. You know, you certainly didn't see it a lot then you don't see it a lot today. And, and, you know, even up to, as recent as the, the, the past Batman show, beware the Batman. That was, that was the CGI animated show on Cartoon Network. Like I remember that being a thing they had originally thought about doing like bullets and sort of like realistic looking guns in the show. And then like last minute they had to redesign all of that stuff. Mm. Like episodes were done and then they had to like redesign the guns because they were like, no, no, no. They want to do something uh, 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 a little more kid friendly. So that's when the lasers came out and like, and the guns kind of look like Nerf guns. Right, you know, <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I know. In the in the heart of the Batman, that documentary thing that's got like you know, that's basically from the beginning to, um, till the end. But there's a part when Alan Burnett's talking about the fact that he had worked on Super Friends, and that you know that there you know you have a superhero show where no one throws a punch, um, <laughs> right? No, nobody gets hit. Um, there's no <laughs> there's no moment where there's any kind of fighting, um. And that was part of the, 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 the carrot that was dangled in front of him was like, there was going to be bullets and, and fighting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's, I mean, they spell it out that way that, no, that's the reason why he took, took the gig um, doing Batman, the animated series was like, Oh no, you'll, you'll have a chance to tell, you know, nor no Irish stories, but also you'll be able to have, uh, you know, bullets and conflict and, and people throwing punches. Right. Yeah. And that was something that he had, he said, you know, when he heard that, he he had, he almost had the same sort of incredulous thing that you had, which was just like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. Um, <laughs> and that they were very fortunate. I can't remember her name at the moment, but they, the, the person from Standards and Practices was, you know, knew and understood what they were doing or trying to do. Mm-hmm. So any kind of, you know, she was kind of like the, the wall between them and, and I guess Fox Kids at that point. Right. Yeah. So they were able, she was able to like fight for them. I mean, they were, they were, you know, there were also times where they did the whole thing of, 
you know, let's go over the top so they'll give us what we want. You yeah. know, in a in a scene where it's like you know the, the you know the wind you know, the windshield or whatever is riddled with bullets, and then like the, when they really only wanted to be like two two shots, you know that kind of thing. <laughs> it is interesting that you say that because it is. Um, I don't think it gets said a lot mm-hmm. that aspect because I mean, like the show kind of famously had had you know if you hear the creators talk about it, like almost like an antagonistic mm-hmm. like relationship with standards and practices a lot. Where right. like, um. They had apparently a bunch of of levels of approval that they had to go through. Like they mm. like standards and practices approved had to approve scripts before, right? So they would send the scripts over to them. They would get notes about like what needed to be changed, mm. right? From from standards and practices and the network. So two different eyeballs. Right. Then then they would go back, like implement implement those changes, fight whatever fight they wanted for to, you know, fight whatever battle they needed. For something they wanted to keep in or something like that. Um, then they would go into storyboard phases and then and then they had to submit that for approval. And they would get notes based off of that. Right. And so like mm. you know, I was just like, man, and I could see where like it's grueling, but like like you said, like it, it, even still in that environment, there's a lot of stuff that got through and a lot oh, of sure. cool stuff for that sure. made it. And it's like yep. you, you know, like clearly, like you said, like like I think somebody there knew what they were going for, you know? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was the thing was that they were, uh, again, we'll, we'll to put her name in the notes or, or take a screenshot from it. But yeah, she, the woman that was there at the time, you know, and then, like you said, there's notes in the scripts they show in, in this, in the heart of the Batman, the special that talk about the fact that, no, there were times that they would, you know, let them. And again, it's mentioned the idea that, you know, even amongst themselves, they were kind of like had that attitude of like, well, the lunatics are running the asylum here, and so far, while we're getting away with stuff, you know, we're we're not we're not there's they're not letting us give this carte blanche, but we're still able to do a whole lot of things that you've never seen before in what's supposed to be an afternoon or Saturday morning kids cartoon. Right. Yeah. yeah. A couple of things. There is a uh, Bruce Tim illustration that I've seen from years back where he mm-hmm. illustrated. Uh, everything they were told they couldn't do by standards and practice along the way in Batman, the animated series. It's just an illustration he did for fun Mm. uh, that I'll link to, but uh, it's basically depicts Batman jumping out a window, being shot by Joker while strangling Joker with like a drug needle and an alcohol bottle falling and all sorts of stuff. And a cross is apparently religion, yep. I guess. And they're going through a window. And that was a thing. A window, like, yeah. like they couldn't go through windows. Yep. And a partially clothed cat woman, uh, mm-hmm. and a child, uh, being endangered in some way. So yeah, I mean, that's just part of like his little sort of antagonistic relationship yeah. with standards and practices. I think he was doing that to, to poke some fun at it. Uh, another thing, though, is I do wonder it being Fox, like if Fox wa- gave them more leeway where another outlet would have been more likely to self-censor just to be safe. Right. Whereas Fox at that time, especially still kind of in its uh, early days as a as a network and very early days as Fox Animation, if right. they were willing to be like, yeah, let's push let's push the envelope a little bit to, to try to make ourselves stand out from everything else. Cause we, I see. Yeah, we talked good- about like, you know, in the pride of the X-Men episode, we talked about the Fox X-Men pilot and what happens to morph is also something you didn't see in, 
in cartoons at the time. So I think I wonder if Fox was just also a little more willing to let them uh, push the push the limits. Yeah. I found her name. I found her okay, name. Her name is Avery Coburn. Okay. And apparently, apparently, at the time, she was vice president for Fox Kids uh, Behavior Standards and Practices. And she okay. was the one that that she appreciated what they were trying to do, um, and therefore, while they, she didn't let them get away with everything, there was definitely a, you know amount of like, well, let's put this in, let's put in like like I said, we'll put in five gunshots and hope we get two. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, yay her. Mm-hmm. By the way, yeah, for yeah, sure. Because right. I mean, oh, yeah. I've I've heard I've heard them say too that like you know, there's a list of absolutely stuff that they couldn't do. And they ended up getting like a lot of that stuff in somehow. Right. Either, either through, through, um, some finagling and some staging of it, they were able to sort of like, I mean, they, they, they had a lot of rope. Um, and it is a good point that you're bringing up Clifton that, that like, you know, on Fox. Yeah. I mean, I could see that where Fox wanting to set themselves apart from like ABC, you know, we're like, where I don't see any of this stuff happening. Right. If this stuff ran on ABC back in the day. I mean, I do know that that once they moved to WB in 97, there was some talk though. And then then we're like, we kind of have the gloves off. Like we used to get <laughs> like five pages of notes at Fox for right. like stuff per episode we can't do. And he was like, at WB, we get like a paragraph. Yeah. Of some things, um, you know, um, the Firefly episode, like like for, for one was one that they'd said they always wanted to do that going back to the Fox days. And they were just like, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Fire's a weapon. No, you know, no fire. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, so I've seen that picture, that image that you were talking about too, Clifton. It's pretty funny. There's a cool, um, two page spread in the Batman animated coffee table book that Paul Dini did with chip kid. That's also just, just like, it's a, it's like a collage of notes that they got from, from, uh, you, you know, like the censors where it's like, uh, uh, you know, it's like they, 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 they have a problem with, with him unloading a, a full clip, you know, like at <laughs> Batman, they have a problem with it. It's uh, if, if we can find it, I'll put it up. Right. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty great, but they just didn't want the gun to run out of bullets. Yeah. <laughs> that would be too much. But yeah. So, uh, one of the other things that kind of stuck out to me is is um, how they did a lot of focus episodes that didn't have supervillains. They did a lot of like just kind of gangster bad guys, and I think in in a way that goes kind of a long way in thinking about it that way. That like they they did sort of like these these um, more sophisticated human stories, even though they did a ton of that stuff with the bad guys, like we were talking about in the past episodes, but. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that you're not you're not hanging your plot on the Joker every week or Catwoman or the Penguin and the fact that you're sort of you're introducing a, a, a plainclothes guy as the bad guy within the same episode. Right. And and it's effective and not boring for like a seven year old to watch. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it, it, it would. I think in a lot of ways it helped ground the series. That, you know, Batman still deals with stuff, you know, that isn't necessarily super crime. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and it's like it, and Frank, we talk about like how, um, you know, we love it when when there's a bad guy that kind of can take Batman out with a wrench. Oh, yeah. And it's like it, and I think that those episodes do a lot like do a lot of heavy lifting for that, too, where like he w- he could be imperiled and he could be imperiled by 
somebody who threw a lucky punch or somebody that was just tough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And not and not like it didn't have to be Bane. Right. You know, well, to me, it's like it's that line from from Miller from uh, Frank Miller's year one where it's like he, Batman's it's when Batman is in the in the building, he's trapped and all the cops are there. And he, in, his, in his inner monologue, it's the whole thing of, you know, it only takes one bullet and they have so many of them. You know, we get a little bit of that too. the idea that, no, you know, he is still human, even though he's dealing with a lot of threats and stuff that might be a little beyond the normal human or the mere mortal. <laughs> yeah. You know, we get a lot of that, I think, in this series, which is great, too. So, yeah, it's effective. It's effective and able to do it without blood, which they only mm-hmm. used. You know, I think you can count them on one hand. Yeah. The amount of time you see blood um, outside of the movie, outside of Mask of the Phantasm, where yeah. clearly you saw also some of those some of those constraints were lifted a little bit for that movie, too, because mm-hmm. there's some teeth that get lost in that movie. That's for <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. So what else? Any other ideas? Thinking back to it, I mean, as far as what created the show to make it, you know, uh, uh, compelling as far as uh, what made it different, at least to me, at least, was the simple notion that it did more than humanize them. Like, how can I put it? Because I've been thinking about it while you guys are discussing it and the points that uh, Frank and Clifton are making were great. But it's just to know this, just the overall feeling. It felt like the world of Batman, not just Batman. Like in some cases, uh, Batman wouldn't be the star of the show depending on what he went through or mm. what currently happened. That made it more compelling. Like if there was a better character that was more compelling, we didn't get Batman as much and it didn't make us feel like we didn't get enough Batman, if that makes any sense. Right. Like, for example, back eighties, um, watching old G.I. Joe Transformers episodes, uh, we knew it was a cast of it, but they would only spotlight one character. And no matter what, it was just that one character. Same with He-Man or any other shows that were there. It would only be the trials and tribulations of that character. But in Batman, depending on how the story fell, it wasn't always the star of the show. Does that make sense? Yeah. It felt like you're watching more of a soap opera without acting like you're watching the soap proper. Like, I think it fooled a lot of us into seeing a more dramatic TV mm. <laughs> and not a, 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 a barrage of gunfire and punches. Right. You know, and that's what made it compelling to me. At least it didn't, it didn't have to dwell on having a fight scene or a chase scene or a shootout. Yeah. It was more along the lines of what the character went through or even, even if the character wasn't Bruce Wayne, you know? Yeah, when when you get an episode where he's protecting a mob boss whose brother is like a priest. Yes. You know, yeah, 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 good one. Good episode, too. Mm-hmm. I thought, um, you know, it, it's, you can't like really praise the show without praising the music also. Yep. For which sure. is just yeah. like, I mean, a testament to the time, too, because this is the, this is the time when cartoons had like full orchestras recording the scores for things yeah (laughs) you know um like i I mean what's what's uh compelling to me too is like one of the things that that stands out to me about the music is i love how like the the all the bad guys like had a definitive theme yeah right like like they all had their own jaws theme in a way yeah but 
looking into that a little bit, what then what made it more interesting is not only is the music distinctive for the character or the action, there are times where there is no music at all. Like, imagine the, the points in which Batman's getting shot at. At some times, or when they transition to a scene, all you hear is the uh, sound of the city or water, but you don't hear music in some places. Mm. You guys recall? I mean, to me, that's weird, but it didn't feel like it needed music every single moment. Like, again, I think the G.I. Joe episodes, and every time a, 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 an action or upbeat change, you hear, you know, mm. they didn't play with that. Like, you could have had the, I mean, they, they didn't do that as much with this. Like, it, it the music flowed in a way that felt very natural. But at yeah. some points, there are places, if you listen, there is no music. Yeah, it's refreshing, it's, too. Like, if you yes. watch network TV and you really pay attention to it, like, there's not, there's not much, many seconds within that episode that don't have music thrown yes. at you. Yes. Right? You know, and it is kind of cool that, like you're saying, like, you know, when the characters are talking, they're talking. And, yes. And they just, like, let that be, like, the tension itself comes from that, from the conversation, mm-hmm. not from music under, which can help certainly can help. I'm not, you know, I'm not poo-pooing that, but um, there could be an over-reliance to that too, for sure, I think. Um, especially these days. No, definitely these days, as far as what exactly gonna, how they're going to build the tension in the scene instead of uh, just relying on those great voice actors to carry the scene to a point where you feel the tension or the thrilling nature of what's occurring, you know, whether it's a scream or a grunt from a um, thug getting a punch it it, it, re- it almost resounds more than not hearing the music itself being played not to say that i didn't love the music at all but you sort of hear the uh the action itself in this visceral form right and like but when it does take center stage it takes center stage and it's and it's sort of like their ability to to create a a a, a recognizable uh, interesting theme that was sort of like the identity of the episode. Like the, like the, the music does a lot of lifting in sort of like the mini movie thing that I talk about for is one of the things I love so much about the show is the, is that it was serialized ish, but it was really more episodic and that every episode was just like a little mini movie. Right. And like, I'm thinking about like um, that episode, the forgotten that, that Clifton and I talk about, like it's the cool hand Luke episode. Yeah. I was about to bring that one up myself. Right? Like the harmonica music, the harmonica music in that is like so distinct. It's so like, it's so incredible. You know, like when the soundtracks were were being released, like I couldn't wait to get the soundtrack to that episode. Now, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen that episode. Clifton, what made that? I mean, I, I remember Cool Hand Luke, but I'm trying to see the uh, connection between the two for this episode other than the harmonica. I mean, this was the episode it was set out in the West, sort of. Like, it's a West, I don't know how far out of Gotham this is supposed to be in this okay. world, but it's set, like, in a very Western-type setting out in the desert. Uh, it's one where he's got amnesia, Bruce does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's kind of in, like, this captive-in-a-work camp. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. a, okay. like, a, like a, you know, cruel workmaster. Mm-hmm. And, you know, locked in a hot box. 
because he's too rebellious and it's very Western. It's very old Western themed, very cool hand Luke, especially. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but what I was going to bring up about that one is, is the music's just so different. Like I was, when you're talking about like memorable things, like that's that riff that they would use for like the, the intro to scenes. Cause it would, it would cut back and forth a little bit between what was going on back in Gotham. Cause you know, Bruce is missing. And then it would cut back to where he was and what his situation was. And, and you'd get like the, the kind of juxtaposition of like normal setting. And then you'd get the harmonica music that would bring you back into, you know, him working in this, in this desert work camp. And, and like, I, like that riff has been in my head ever since yeah. <laughs> like that, that okay. one harmonica riff that takes it mm. back into that setting. Uh, so often throughout that episode has been stuck in my head all these years and it's something that never was in any other episodes it just stands out so much to me because it was so different yeah than than what we got in all the episodes and it worked so perfectly to set this episode apart this set this this setting you know completely apart from everything else we got before yeah and they did it like all the time they did like 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 read my lips. The ventriloquist episodes got like kind of a jazz score and, and the ninja episodes have like a heavy, heavy, like Japanese flute influence too. Like that's another one of my favorite scores. I love the ninja score. Yeah. Uh, it was a Kyle Den can or whatever. Kyle Den can. Yeah. The, the villain. Yes. I remember Kyodai. that. Yep. Kyodai. Thank you. We'll get to him. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. No, the music's amazing. Music's amazing. Who did the music? Who is responsible for most of the music in the show? It should so, be pointed out. So, so you had mentioned, so they, they, they kept the, uh, um, oh God, what's his name? The Tim Burton guy. Uh, Danny Elfman. <laughs> Oingo Boingo guy. Yeah, Danny mm-hmm. Elfman. Thank you. <laughs> How did Boingo. I forget that? Jeez. Um, <laughs> so so, so they, they, they liked what he did with Batman 89, and they were like, let's keep this going. Right? Like this aesthetic. Um, and then Shirley Walker and her her studio was sort of, they were the main composers for it so she had a bunch of different people that um that she rotated like so like you know chris chris carter would get like this episode and lolita uh uh what's her name lolita uh manis would get like another episode uh shirley walker has since like like passed away unfortunately but like her, her team is still together and a lot of those guys uh uh michael McQuestion, chris carter and uh, Lolita Ripmanis, they're still doing like they did Justice League together. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing Young Justice still. Like they yeah. pop up all the time on on stuff. Like like Batman Beyond, they were there. You know, uh, famously for that, they they were they like they thought they were gonna have to go outside of their group because they wanted like really like rock aesthetic stuff, and they were like, and Shirley Walker apparently was was like, okay, she's like, I respect that, but she's like, just let us try. Like I think we can give you what you want. And, and like, you know, they blew them out of the water and they're like, yeah, okay, perfect. You know? And you had mentioned the soundtracks, but a lot of it was available at different times. If you really did like the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I actually saw, um, uh, recently because, uh, La La Land records out of Los Angeles has, has a contract to do a lot of the DC animated stuff. And they've done four volumes of Batman, the animated series. Okay. Like multi-disc, like multi-CD to like four disc, you know, uh, collections. I have all of them. I mean, I, it's I literally, I've been waiting for those since I was like 16 mm. to come out, you know? Um, so yeah, so they have a couple volumes. It's, it's not, you know, not the whole catalog yet. 
They haven't gotten to like all 85 episodes, but, uh, you know, they've gotten a lot of them out. The Forgotten's on there, which is great. <laughs> and the Grey Ghost. Yeah. What an unbelievable theme that is. I mean, that's such a, that's, that's like a more memorable theme than like some like motion picture superhero themes right. I can think of, you know. I, um, I'm having trouble actually remembering specifically the music for that. Was it kind of like a Green Hornet? Like they were going for like a classical like orchestral thing for Grey Ghost. Yeah, they went classical orchestral. I think the I think the composer's name was Carl Johnson, I believe for it. Okay. Um he didn't do a ton of them. But uh yeah, they did kind of like movie serial mm -hmm. style for him. I mean, like it's just I mean, we'll we'll see if we can post a clip of it uh in the notes. I mean, like it's like, I've listened to this opening theme so many times. <laughs> I love it. It's just so like the forgotten, like that harmonica thing. It's so identifiable. And I'm just like, you just did it for like this, this 22 minute episode and it never right. comes back again. Yeah. Like you said. So, so I guess for me too, when I also think about the show, one of the things that, that's, you know, if we're going to give a lot of credit to, to, you know, Eric Radomski and Bruce Tim and Deanie Burnett and their writers and their crew, it's, it's that, like it's apparent to me that like that one of the important aspects of it is they is they're able to sort of like cherry pick out of like Batman's history, take stuff that worked from at that point, like whatever was 60 years of comic book history and publication. And they were also like really, really good at kind of being like, mm, this aspect doesn't work. Let's not play with this as much or let's change this. Right. Um, so one of the examples I thought of, this is a small thing. McClifton, you brought up the ventriloquist in the last episode. Mm -hmm. And like ventriloquist, who was a comic villain at that point, but they were, I think they were rightly so very smart to make the ventriloquist in this version, like a really good ventriloquist. <laughs> right? Like he's so good that like that the voice can trick you. If you right. just hear the two, like you think that it's a different, but like I'm saying like within the show, like the characters could be fooled right. with like, that's not the same guy. Whereas in the comics at that point, he was kind of comically bad as a ventriloquist was sort of, the, was sort of the thing. Doesn't he also have the thing of swapping the B's for G's? Yeah. That they didn't thankfully didn't go with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So if you read the ventriloquist talking in the comics in the late eighties, early nineties, um, he would you, you would see. So if he says Batman, he they would write it out as Gatman. Okay. Because he did all of his B's as G's. Okay. And it was just right. one of the ways that they drove home that like he's not very good at this. Right. right. Yeah, I knew nothing about the comic version at all. Mm -hmm. I knew there was a comic version, but I knew nothing specifically about the comic version, but. Yeah, animated version is probably my favorite villain from the series, mm -hmm. as we got into when we were talking villains uh, last mm. time. Yeah, I just like, it, can you imagine just like that reveal? Like it would it would never work if he wasn't good at it, if he yeah. wasn't like the best ventriloquist on the planet. Right. You know? You guys have any other ideas of stuff like that where they were just like, where they were like, yeah, they picked that, they, they just had like good sense to use really, really good, uh, uh, like nuggets from from the comics and stuff like that. And I have a question on a similar note that, that might bring up something. So another villain 
that I knew existed, but I didn't know before the show was Killer Croc. But I feel like this version of Killer Croc is what has really stuck and cemented as the character and probably took over anything else that existed before. Hmm. In the comics, he's kind of a kind of a quiet like um, he actually wears like a suit and a hat. Like he's like in the background. Okay. And and he's kind of sizing up like the competition and then right. he gets involved and then it's but the whole um you know, they play him a lot dumber in the show. Okay. Um, um you know, but yeah, in the comics he's he's kind of the strong silent type and then when the reveal is that he's actually like the way he looks the you know, in the comics and mm. yeah, he's he's you know, he's a little more sinister and a little more, you know, um uh, I would say a little more uh smart than oh. than he is in the show but i agree with you i think the show the show version definitely helped cement what he's been since then for sure i know he's green in the books mm-hmm. and i know yeah. that was a change but they made him gray right um at least in the initial order and then when he went to wb they ended they broke they brought out the green marker for that you know yeah. <laughs> But there was, I mean, yeah, Croc is a weird one. He doesn't really get a whole lot of time to shine in the books ever, but there was, um, there was a period when he was right when he was created where you could tell like somebody like had, had uh, big plans for him. And there was kind of, there was like a Croc saga. Yeah. I mean, he's almost like, it almost seems like he's that straddling that line of gimmick and gangster. Mm. You know, that we talk about a lot, Zach, the idea of like, you know, at some point in Gotham, um, you know, the guys that were the, the mob boss types, you know, they either decided to, to sort of retreat back in the shadows to not have to deal with Batman or they hired the freaks to do the work for them or they got a gimmick. Right. They decided they were going to get a gimmick and then become, you know, part of that that evolving rogues gallery type for Batman. But um yeah, there definitely seems like with Killer Croc, it seems much more like there was a plan of him being some kind of um, super villain slash crime boss of Gotham. Mm. Yeah, I never. Well, initially when I saw the show, I always thought he was a guy with a skin condition. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, that's what initially that until they delve more into him being in water and throwing him raw meat to eat. You know, mm. then I was like, mm-hmm. ah, okay, sure. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm with. You. That's always the the version I prefer too. Yeah. That it's a guy like, like, like I go, I go with it in this manner that like that he, he has a skin condition, but like, but he doubles, he doubles down on it. Right. Yeah. And he goes he into, leans to, into it. He, mm-hmm. Yeah. He leans into yeah. it because it's, because he comes from wrestling too. Yeah. So like, so, so I, so I can understand then. So like, okay. So he goes into it we're like, and he starts like filing his teeth to be points. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And he starts like growing his nails out to be claws and stuff like that. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, when he starts actually, like when he has a tail. Yeah, that's like, what I was like, like ah. it, that's the version that I don't like as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's too much like a anthropomorphic beast as opposed to a, a like his mom sleep with a crocodile. That's that's the whole imagery that I right. get from it. That's weird to me. It weirds me out, you know, because they don't really flesh out a story for him. But if he's a guy with a skin condition that he just never got on his break because mm, right. of it, um, it, it plays more into. What uh, Zach was saying on how, like, as a former wrestler, you just lean into the, what make the give the fans what they want, basically, <laughs> and, right. and, and just play into you know, sell the gimmick exactly mm-hmm. because it, it gets a sense of fear, right? Um, oh, if you yeah. think that dude's a 
have a, a crocodile, you, why would you mess with him, you know? Right. Yeah. I think um, when it came to Batgirl, I think they were really smart to just, like, let's iron it out. And and Barbara is Jim's daughter. And that's yeah. it. Make it simple. Right. Because there, there's a, a, a lot of stuff in the comics that I forgot. I mean, she was his niece at one point in the comics. Mm-hmm. Right. That gets adopted by him uh, when sort right. of like, you know, his brother or whoever. I forget, like, the family tree dynamics. But, like her parents end up dying and he takes her in and then he ends up adopting her. Right. And, 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 and that was sort of, um, you know, not talked about. It's one of the things, right? Like it's one of the reasons why she's not in long Halloween. Right. Mm. Is that like, they're playing off of that continuity. Like she's his, she's his niece and she's not living with them yet. So that's why, that's why there's only Jim jr. Right, yeah. Right, I was gonna say house. at the time in the comics there was he only had a son. Yeah. And right. and sometimes that's actually gotten replaced to where now and it seems he only has a daughter and not mm-hmm. a son. Right. right. Depending on tellings until they brought him back in, in comics at different times. The son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's flared up like recently, like like people I guess have remembered that he exists. <laughs> right. Like his yeah. Scott Snyder did a story with him. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, but he he was he was away. He was away for twenty years. <laughs> you know. Yeah, another character. I think they did a good job, like what you're talking about, like you know, taking pieces here and there, getting rid of, like pruning some things off, uh, paring it down. Was Clayface? Mm, um, yeah. Where yeah. Clayface again, like Clayface, like Ventriloquist is actually one of my favorite villains from the series, but. I'm not well versed in it as much because, you know, I'm not I'm not the Batman. I'm not the big Batman fan here, but I do know there were multiple different clay faces over the years in the comics. And I do know the animated version kind of takes pieces from a couple of them. Right. Right. At least. Yeah. Yep. Like the failed actor background. Mm hmm. But the actual like clay face monster, like the actual clay like golem is is a different one in the comics that they kind of combine those two things into one person here. Yeah. And and in my opinion that like that's what makes it work whereas cuz Clayface is really broad for a Batman villain in that mm-hmm. like it's beyond gangster, it's beyond just mild gimmick. Like this is a full-on superpowered monster. Yep. With superpowered powers. And and I think what makes it work and what still keeps it grounded to me is that sympathetic failed actor that just wanted to keep succeeding at this thing that he loved until it all went awry yeah, because right. of his, his devotion to it is his ill, his ill thought out devotion to it. And yeah, that's what exactly. makes it work. So I think like combining those two things make this, this character great in the show. Yeah. Those are strong episodes. He's one, he's one of those villains. He doesn't have a bad one. Yeah. Like, like there's, no, there's no weak Clayface episode, you know? I mean, he's, he's not in, he's not in more than five, six times, but mm-hmm. when he shows up, it's always great. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good one. Yeah. I've forgotten about that one. Yeah. They definitely run a comb through him, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. The stories are always good with him. And then he's also got a strong visual presence, which helps too. Right. But I think that, yeah, I agree with you. That the Clayface is definitely one where they. They explore about as much as they possibly can with the character. And then, you know, in the comics, he is 
in the, in the show, he's a little more of an amalgam of some of the, like you said, some of those um, different versions of Clayface. But it works. It works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always kind of partial to the fact that um, they, instead of showing us, um, say, in like the Batman or some of the other shows, the idea that, um, well, it's it's not, it's our introduction to Batman, but it's not as if Batman suddenly you know, it's not year one. Hmm. Like there's a feeling of, of maybe episode lost episodes or episodes that we didn't get to see. Um, and I think there's no bigger evidence that is like, other than like with him and Robin. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? The fact that Robin's a, a, like a fully evolved, like he's on the cusp in my mind, he's on the cusp of being Nightwing when they introduce yeah. him. Right. Yeah. They choose, they choose to go the route of like, um, you know, setting him around the time of like when, Dick goes off to college and says, "Hey, listen, it's great, you know, and I'm, I'm here. If, you know, if you need me, call me. But otherwise, I, I'm going to go live my life. Right, you know, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do my thing." And we get a lot of like that sort of, you know, tension between the two of them. But obviously, there's still that fact that no, they were partners. You know, they were they were Batman and Robin for at some point. You know, for a while, even though we're still getting origins of new villains, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, ah, yeah. it, it, it was it was it made it feel like it's ever evolving. But I like the fact that they didn't have to create a definite origin. Like it didn't feel like we had to see him um chronologically evolve mm-hmm. from when Bruce met him to him getting the costume, things of that nature. It right. simply was. No, I agree. I, I definitely agree. But I kind of like also in the further about the third third season when they bring on um Tim. Mm-hmm. Um. That to me felt um, nice because you get a Robin who is new to it, you know, fully. Right. And you see him evolve into somebody's a more capable partner for this version of Batman, who's probably a little bit more grittier, a little bit more, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, changed from his experiences, so to speak. Right. Because um, to me, I felt that in the later episodes, you see the evolution of him being Batman more. You get the gruffer exterior towards the end of the series, as opposed to, I don't know, it felt he felt more lighthearted in the beginning. If that may, if you if you guys can tell the characteristics of it, and it was more, uh, and then Robin felt Robin felt like the, I guess was the sunshine of that in a way. If that makes any sense, mm, right? Yeah, I, yeah. but I, I, that, that's just me thinking about it in a sense of. Uh, what what Frank was saying as far as how Robin evolved into becoming Nightwing, well, in which we we definitely get towards the third season when he's fully realized as a capable crime fighter uh, in in itself. But I just left out the character dynamic shifts over the course of episodes, and and it, and it somewhat changes tone in a way with the characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Oh, he, Tim's got some awesome moments though. Yeah, oh, very <laughs> awesome much moments so. in the show. Very much so. Um, but I think, uh, you know, also the, the, the fact is, is that like the show is, has had its, its effect and, mm-hmm. and it's influenced the comics that it was based on as well. Now at this point, um, you know, uh, especially now where I think a lot of people that grew up on it are now working in comics, right? Like I think of, uh, um, uh, uh, Sean Murphy, who was doing like all the Batman White Knight comics and everything like that. Like, man, mm-hmm. uh, Tommy, you know, 
pick up any issue of that and you see like Batman animated series influence like visually all over his work. Yeah, he dumps all into it. It's it's almost like he poured what he knew about it in order to bring you closer to the series as a result of what he grew up on at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, that's why I was urging Frank to read the series. I I mean, I I I don't hate the series, but you can feel the love of the animated series all through that book, Frank, in which mm. um he shows the vehicles, mm-hmm. uh, uh, certain characters that may have been forgotten or not presented fully in the books, mm-hmm. how he's affected, the parts of town. I mean, it's it's almost as if his introduction to Batman was the animated series as opposed to the comics. It's and possible. It was, it, I mean, yeah. you know, I know like with um, with that series in particular, it's one of those things, I think we talked about it, uh, not on not on the podcast, but we talked about it. Um, just the idea that it's... it. It has such a reverence for Batman, while at the same time trying to just deconstruct him in the same thing. Mm. Yeah, it, was yeah. that's one of the things I really liked about it was the fact that no, clearly Sean Murphy knows his stuff. Yeah, but at the same time, he's one of the, he's one of the pull up threads and pick apart things to make you think about that character. Another one that I know that that got into comics from the only seen the animated series was Devin Grayson. Like when Devin Grayson got on Nightwing and um, Batman Gotham Knights, mm. she had only watched. She said in interviews. All, a lot that she'd only knew what she knew of those characters and what she fell in love with what those characters was the fact that she had watched the animated series mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things it does really well is distills those characters down mm-hmm. um, through the various things but at the same time it does add an awful lot to it yeah you know so and the timing on her is that like it was pretty contemporary to when she broke in to comics mm-hmm. so it hadn't yeah, yeah. been out yeah. all that long before yeah, you know, she recognized that that was that's her version, and then mm-hmm. went with it. Like the, th- the thing that everybody knows is Harley, right? Harley started as sure. a character in Batman the animated series and became, you know, this mega mega popular character. Um, that's almost shocking how long it took for her to right. make it to comics. Like considering how big she was and how popular she was, um. The one that I think people forget about is Lockup. Lockup beat her to the page. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Is that the guy who drives around arresting people? Yeah. And puts him in his own his own personal yeah, prison. That's yeah. Yeah. There's a similar there's a similar Superman character called the Master Jailer. Like those are like a Superman villain from the 70s. I don't think that no one does anything with him because we have Lockup. Right. But um yeah, the Master Jailer is almost like the same kind of character. Okay. Um yeah, he was voiced by the guy from um, who played Mick Belker on Hill Street Blues. Wasn't um, <laughs> now I have to look it up, but it's a, he's a great he's a great actor and he's really good. his voice his voice acting is really good in that too. I think while we're looking him up, I'm I'm curious. I I think he was the guy that did the voice of Sabretooth in uh, X Men the Animated Series. Also, mm. uh, Bruce yeah. Bruce White is his yeah, name. Yeah, Bruce White. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wheats. I think he also did. Um, I could be wrong. Was he also Manheim on Superman? He was Manheim on Superman? I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm looking. Okay. I'm having that moment of like, I think that's, I know he did some Superman voice. I just can't remember what it was. Gotcha. But I mean, that's a character. That was one that I was like, he's super underutilized. Mm-hmm. Well, lockup? Like, yeah. I love the lockup episode. Yeah. It's so well, strong. Uh, you're right. Bruno Ugly Mannheim. Ha! Was he? Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Knew it. 
So yeah, he's great. Great again, great actor. He's terrific. If you you know, side note, if you haven't seen Hill Street Blues and you can find it someplace streaming, by all means watch it. Great stuff. And he's a great character in it. But um, yeah, Lockup's a great character. I, I always like Lockup. I think the characters, you know, again, it's one of those. Um, I'm surprised we don't get Lockup more in the comics as being much more of a, um, you know, your way doesn't work, Batman kind of thing. Mm-hmm. As but, a vigilante, as opposed to a, a extraneous criminal. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. I mean, I, I I could see how he would he would see himself as like no no, you know. Locking these people up and putting them in some kind of, you know, in some kind of mental hospital yeah. or, you know, or putting them in jail isn't really working because they keep, it's a raw, you know, everyone talks about Arkham being a revolving door anyway, or it gets demolished by, you know, Bane or Raish or whoever comes into town and has a big plan to mess with Batman. Yeah. You know, but. He's like, his comic origin is, is like virtually identical mm. to, to, to the animated but like his big, I guess, moment was in No Man's Land, where where sort of like all the the, the prisons are are um you know in terrible shape, and all the inmates are getting out and everything, and Batman sort of like entrusts Lockup to control that aspect, and it's just mm-hmm. one of those. It's sort of like okay, like you're you're the problem I'm gonna have down the line, but at the moment you're useful, mm-hmm. and sort of like to stop the bleeding of this, yeah, right, and. <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't pop up all that often, unfortunately. And I think uh, you know he's a he's a cool visual. I think uh, you know I think he's, uh, you know he he's he, he's got a great theme built in with him. You know, mm. timely. Yeah, always. <laughs> right. Sound like um, that. So, Zach yeah. sounds like a story you're trying to tell, man. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, I got a yeah yeah I got a year of lockup stories. Ready to go. <laughs> Ready to go, everybody. <laughs> But he was early, and then and so he was ninety six. He jumped in ninety six. So, I mean, like it was like a year for him to right. jump in. Uh, Harley wasn't until ninety nine. So Harley had you know not, it's not a not a huge huge gap, uh, uh, relatively speaking. But like I said, considering how popular she was, you know, it's a long time for them to suddenly be like, okay, like maybe this character that everybody keeps talking about, we should put in, you know, <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. this is in, in proper continuity. This doesn't count like the Batman adventures books, which she did appear in pretty right. early on there. Um, but she ironically also did not pop up until no, no man's land was when, hmm. was when, uh, she first appeared in continuity. So that's 99. But, and then some of the characters took a little longer, like, like Red Claw just showed up. Yeah. Right. Like somebody just did something with Red Claw. Mm. No, I didn't know Red Claw wasn't in or, or I didn't know Red Claw was an original character yeah. to the animation. Yeah. I yeah. assumed she had been around before. I never really looked into it, but I never really asked you guys this. Was Montoya and Bullock an original character or was that pulled from the comic? Bullock is from the comics. Okay. Bullock's from the comics. Yeah, and then okay. and then Renee, what I was looking it up because that was the one that I had the question about too because I couldn't remember what the what the continuity was for. Um, uh, according to the the, the internet, um, <laughs> the character was created by Bruce Tim and Paul Dini and Mitch Bryan okay. for Batman the Animated Series, and was preemptively introduced into mainstream comics before the airing of her animated debut in '92. Ah, mm. huh. okay. so. I was always oh, fuzzy okay. on her. On, yeah, on her I, I was too. I didn't. I didn't quite know either. So that's why I was like, "Well, I, I've always thought that she was directly from the show." Mm. Um, and 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 I just saw this on Twitter actually, a, like a couple hours before we were, we did this episode. Um, 
baby doll finally shows up in continuity. Yeah. Oh, okay. Recently oh. in a, a Harley Quinn, um, I think the, the the 30th anniversary special, I think for Harley Quinn, baby doll has first appeared in that. So, mm. okay. Um, what year was that? Do you know? Offhand? I think it just came, like this year. I think it just this came year? out. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So that's baby doll, red Claw this yeah. year. Yeah. And the ninja, Kaoda Ken, who was like one of my favorites. I love those episodes. Like I said, he first showed up like two years ago. And that was another one, which I was like, first of all, I've been wanting the toy for him forever. <laughs> right. You know, but, uh, but that was another one. I'm like, why didn't anybody do, like, like just as a kid, I remember I was just so like enthralled with that story. Just like, you know, first of all, he had like that awesome back tattoo, like at a time when, when, when like that was still like, whoa, that was Taboo. weird and different. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just him and the yeah. red dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but he also like, just the fact that he was the guy in training that knew Bruce and could beat him routinely. Yeah. Yeah. Made it yeah. just be like, like, how's he going to beat that guy? Right. Yeah. Like, sure. I feel like everybody just thought these were comic characters then didn't know they were original to the show or they would have brought them in sooner to be like the one who brought them in. Yeah. I feel like that's probably what happened. Well, I, that, and also I believe that we're getting now, the people who grew up with the animated series in the industry, you know, yeah, these are, it's, it's similar to, um, what were you saying with Frank when, uh, what's the name brings in, um, cyborg into the justice league. Oh, with the mm-hmm. Galactic guardians show. Yeah. Yeah. With, yeah exactly. Jeff Johns did that. With yep. Jeff Johns did that. Yeah. But now we're seeing that with this generation in which all these characters, I, I, I just see, I, I I'm telling you, Zach, I, I think I have an inkling. We're going to get a lockup, uh, <laughs> a stronger mm-hmm. presence or, just a simple notion we're going to get a other uh, fallout as far as characters that have been overlooked that were beloved in the animated series that deserve to uh, be in print still, you know? It's it's just the fact of not letting them go and seeing them progress into bigger standards or at least something more than what they were in the TV show. I mean, ultimately, everybody wants their character to, to be as strong as what Harley Quinn became, you know? Yeah, apparently, like I said, the baby doll is the Harley Quinn 30th anniversary special. She apparently makes a, an appearance, a, a quick appearance in um, uh, getting back to the White Knight stuff. Mm. Um, she's in there, but in continuity, this is like her first appearance. So That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Gotta track that down. We talked about her fair amount in part one. I mean, that's, yeah. that's like, I mean, again, another one for like one appearance originally, and then a second. Like, you know, uh, once they make the jump to kids, WB, right. She's in two lasting impression. I, I love the character. I, all I get is what if, um, Arnold from different strokes went evil. That's all I get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. You know? So I want to do, um, two other things. Now I'll leave it up to you guys, which way you want to go. I want, I want to kind of hit like underrated episodes because a lot of the same ones get talked about a lot. Mm. Very fondly, obviously, and 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 rightfully so. Heart of Ice, right? Harley and Ivy almost got him. Those are the ones that sort of like everybody kind of comes up with this, uh, very fond fondly remembering. But for me, I think the strength really lies on the fact that the show was like you know maybe just one tier below those episodes, like always, like week to week, just about. Mm-hmm. Uh, um well, so I want to kind of hit underappreciated episodes but I also want to do want to give the WB episodes a little bit of love too. So so I'll leave it up to you guys where we go next where you want to hit first. Uh oh can I hit two birds with one stone really real quick? Sure. <laughs> um 
you mentioned comic book references earlier. And to me, I'm surprised Frank never brings up the Laughing Fish episode. Because right. um, rarely, you, uh, Clifton, Frank, and Zach, have we ever gotten an animated series that pays homage to the comic? Mm. I mean, they do this not once, but several times throughout the show. And yeah. I'm just surprised, especially you, Frank, why you never mentioned Laughing Fish um, as far as one of the one of the uh, those generally pivotal stories that are pulled from that that people love as a comic book collector for Batman mm-hmm. that they yeah. lovingly bring to the uh, to the screen. I mean, I was surprised. Even I, I, it, given to the restraints that you said earlier, Zach, with Fox, I thought that thing would never be made just on the premise of what it entails. You want to know what's brilliant about those episodes too? Really quick. Go for it. This is a great example of two of like of of like they were really good about like like where to cherry pick stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because the shark stuff at the ending of Laughing Fish is mm-hmm. not in the book originally. Okay. Right. So Dini took the Laughing Fish concept, but he married it with the ending of of Five Way Revenge. Yeah. Okay. Which is yes, which yes. is where the shark stuff came from. The ending of Laughing Fish, it ends with them. They're fighting on like uh, on like a fire escape, and it was just huh. like really really cool. Where like he looked at these two really classic Joker stories and went, you know what though, this kind of fits better over here. Yep. Okay. You know, I did not know that. Yeah. No, and you're right. And I mean, it's it's a that's a great one. I love Laughing Fish. Yeah. <laughs> love it. You. Yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, I'd rather talk about the third season because the third season, oh my gosh, the W episodes, <laughs> right? Wow, <sighs> there's certain. It's like to me, okay, when I watch a show, any show, I've understood that I give it five episodes if I'm going to keep watching it, or never look back, don't care what happens to the characters, and it can be going to Law and Order status or. This is the last season we'll ever get. With that being said, I think they hit a nice stride with season three, and I would love if they got three more seasons just to see how they could have progressed or arced characters. Because I would have loved to see how they would have done maybe a Harley Redemption arc just in their telling as opposed to allowing it to evolve in comics as long as it did. Um. I would have loved to see them try to approach Jason, if mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. What else? There's, there's we're going to cl- we're going to close on on characters that never appear. Yeah, I've, that, I'm that, sorry. That we, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, but the third season, I think, was it was an evolution of uh, of some of the strongest uh, uh, stories of someone who was rewarded for watching the show, and I know my favorite. Uh, without thinking right yeah but there's no, a lot I, yeah there's a in lot that batch too yeah so, so the, the quick setup for it is okay so we'll do that we'll do the wb episodes and then we'll sort of like hit underrated ones in, including those um some fans call it uh the new batman adventures and i think that's a holdover from when it got marketed as the new batman superman adventures because they were together in a block Okay, and and I I think they do that to sort of to, to uh, uh, distinguish the the visual change, 
Night and day. From when it was Batman the Animated Series slash Adventures of Batman and Robin and what they call the new Batman Adventures. I think that's dumb because when you look it up <laughs> yeah. on HBO Max, it's all Batman the Animated Series. And the continuity is all Batman the Animated Series. And when they put it on the DVD, it was all Batman the Animated Series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's just my gripe. But okay, so set up. So the deal for Fox was only for five years. So nineteen ninety seven comes around. Um, Kids WB has already started up. The Batman crew has moved on and they're doing Superman episodes. The rights now became back to Warner Brothers. So this is another thing where, like, we we mentioned how Gene McCurdy, the executive, is kind of a hero of this show. And she ironed out, like, all these details, right? So, So this is an important thing for me to point out because it's like, if you notice, there has never been a point in this show where you talked about, like, rights issues. We're like, yeah. This, like the show never disappeared for a while because Fox had the rights, right? But WB wanted to do something with it, right? That never happened. It just like they had, they 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 honored the five year commitment. The rights went to WB, and then pfft, it was right on WB after mm-hmm. that. And then to kind of sweeten the pot, they were saying they're like, well, let's make new ones too, right? Instead of just like like airing the old ones, let's do let's do new episodes again. So that's how we got like the last twenty four. Okay. That came about. And then and uh and along the way, Bruce Tim had um sort of fine-tuned the animation process on Superman that gave him a little more control over the final product okay. from what he got from overseas. So that's why it changed a little bit and, and the characters got a little more angular and stuff like that. And he so he was pleased with that, and that's why he wanted to do the same for Batman. And he just just kind of like ran away with itself for like he as he was redrawing characters, he was making changes to the designs as well. And we're off to the races for it. That's why, that's why Batman looks different. And that's why yeah. Mr. Freeze looks different. Yeah. I'm only rappers. I hated that Catwoman look, but that's a whole nother thing. Oh, man. Yep. I agree a thousand percent with you on that one. I cannot stand that. Yeah. <laughs> She's the worst design jump, I think. Some of them yes. look better. Yes. I think I think Scarecrow looks fantastic. Yes, I agree. In 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 the in the WB episodes, yeah, Catwoman is the one design. I'm like, man, why did they change that? Yeah, I don't I don't understand the the, the look of her face, but yeah, whatever. It's so boring. Yeah, it's just <laughs> black. It's just a black yes. figure with white eyes. With white eyes and and a different shade of paint on her jaw, which I just never understood. But yeah. Frank, I know you love the WB ones. I do. I absolutely do. <laughs> There's some great episodes. Why? Tell um, us more. Well, I, th- I mean, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they just, um, it definitely felt even more so than, you know, some of the other episodes that were on uh, Fox, that they were just allowed a little bit more leeway. It's almost kind of like, you know, when you, when you're, when your parents, your parents leave you home for the first time and you almost burn the house down and you manage to pull it off without anyone else knowing about it and getting into trouble. That's what those episodes always feel like to me. Like they just were pushing the envelope, pushing the envelope and were able to do, you know, just some really like some, you know, it, it almost reminds me of like when, when they talk about the fact that it, they're layered in the sense story wise, where you have like lines and stuff that are kind of like, um, you know, throwaway lines that if you're, you know, for kids as well as for adults, that was one thing I noticed. And then a lot of the visuals, like the, the, what's the Clayface episode? 
Um, oh, Growing Pains? Yeah. God, that one's a good one. It's a great episode, but it's so also creepy. so creepy. So creepy. And yeah. so like like that 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 climax is really just kind of you know unexpected and and you know makes you squirm and that's that's great. Um is that is that your is that your uh favorite one? Oh no, no. no okay. No. <laughs> no. But I do sure remember watching sure. that one and and not being able to guess it was him. Oh, you couldn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you couldn't. You I was couldn't. like who's this guy? You couldn't. Yeah. 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 No, that one's great. But I mean, I mean, honestly, of all of them, you know, like I've I've told the story of um, going to work and then checking to see what the episode was about and watching <laughs> watching Barbara Gordon take a header yes! off, a, off a building. And then and then that was that wasn't yes. bad enough was to bounce on Jim Gordon's patrol car mm-hmm. um, in Over the Edge. I mean, Over yes. the Edge is, is you know, oh, my gosh, magnificent. Oh, it's such a great episode of that show, because, oh, again, it yeah. does. It doesn't play fair. No. Um, you know, I'm not gonna tell you why and how, but it, if you haven't seen it, go experience it right now. Watch it on um, it's HBO Max, right? It's on there. Yeah, yeah. Go watch it right now. It's a fantastic episode of Batman the Animated Series. I mean, or, or the New Adventures of Batman and Robin, or whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, it's it's so good. It's so well done. The animation's great on it. The client, again, the ending. I love the ending of it. Yeah, um, yeah, terrific stuff. That's that's one go- going to um. Standards, standards and practices again really quick this is there are a couple of instances where famously they they, they in order to, to please standards and practices what they thought up of what they thought up with is, is actually kind of like more effective right and, mm-hmm. and oh, one, is, yeah. one is the trapeze bit in robin's reckoning when his when his parent when the trapeze is cut and his parents fall to his death fall yeah. to their death right the way that they stage that because they couldn't show anything is actually more effective right the Batgirl bit in Over the Edge is one of the other things, too. They originally had in the boards just, you know, a standard, like, omniscient, like, wide, wider shot of her just, like, landing on the roof of the car. And they were like, no, you can't do that. And for some reason, they had the idea, they're like, okay, well, to get around their note, like, let's put the camera inside the car with them. Yeah. Right? It's so much worse. It is, it's yeah, so, it's much, so worse. much worse. But, you know, it's quite, what is nice about that, that scene is, you know, it's quiet when he's in the car and all you hear is the crash. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's quiet for a second and then you yeah. hear it. It's like, yo, it's mm-hmm. oh, another. I don't. Do you know any any inside notes with this one, Zach, with um, uh, Mad Love? When Joker hits her with the swordfish mm. and she she uh, uh, hardly banks out the window. I don't know. Um, because you know, they do I've s- actually se- I've read the comic a million times. I've seen the episode. Not many, believe okay. it or not. Well, you know? when he does it, it's similar to what you explained earlier. But if I'm not mistaken, this is purely from memory. Hope I'm not wrong. When he hits her with the fish, the tail of it. it you see her come out the window. Mm. And you don't really get the just I mean, you, you know what he did, but. Instead of seeing her being pushed out the window, you see her breaking through the window and falling. You know, right. it's it's just to me, it's just a nice cut of of just it, it's just so it's like so <laughs> so nice. Yeah. But it just cuts out that way in in which she did a simple mistake or at least tried to appease him, and just one small mistake, uh, she she it, it gets all his rage. 
and doesn't even uh, consider what happens to her as a result. You know, it's, I don't know, it's just the scene, it's a similar feeling that scene with Barbara falling as, like, when uh, Harley comes out the window. Right. I do know that they went over a lot of that episode. And they did, you know, I mean, if you've read the book, I mean, there's a lot you need to change. Yes. Right? Or not change, yes. but you got to throw out. Like, I throw mean, they out. keep the story intact and what happens top to bottom is what happens in the book. But there's a lot of details that, you know, get lost when you got to move it, you know, to uh, Kids WB. I really, um, from that era, I really like the, the Scarecrow bit. Like, um, Never Fear, Never Fear is, nice. is, is a nice little turning it on its side. The fact that the bad guy is, is this person that, that weaponizes fear so much. And the idea that he creates a serum instead of inducing fear takes it away from you. Right. And, and sort of has this observation of like, no, society needs fear on some level to kind of keep, you know, chaos from ensuing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's exactly what occurs. I mean, there's some, there's some great moments in that where like, where Batman gets infected and, and is not controlling himself as well. And Robin just ties him up, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Oh God, I love that bit. No, I love no, that bit when he's walking to the bat plane and he just gets like, and you hear the 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 grappling gun cable just go all around Batman and it and pulls him to the ground and then you see Robin come out of the shadows. God, God, it's good. What a great moment! So are we still talking underrated stuff? Or are we talking? Yeah, let's jump into underrated episodes and this could be from anywhere. Let's you know hit a couple of these and then we will wrap up uh, with, um. Listing some characters that never appeared on the show that we would like to see. Mm-hmm. I'll go. I mean, one of my underrated episodes, one of the ones that I love that I think um, that's so, you know, I, I like things that are elegant and I like things that are like that make me go, oh, why didn't anyone else think of that? Is um, the episode Showdown. Yep. It's a great one. Um, you know, the idea of Rachel Ghoul <laughs> telling a story about his past that has him going up against Jonah Hex. <laughs> Which, to the best of my knowledge, in the comics, has never happened. You know, um, all about trying to you know, well the, the the completion of the Transcontinental Railroad. It's such a great story. I mean, granted, I'm a, I'm a Joe R. Lansdale mark anyway. You know, he did the teleplay for it, but still, mm-hmm. you know, even uh, even without that, you know, his name attached to it, to me, it's just a great idea of like, well, of course they would have met. You know, the, I know the DC universe is vast and it's huge, but it's not so huge that those two characters wouldn't have bumped into each other. At some right. point, you know, in race's long life. So, yeah, I love that one. I love yeah. all. I like like such a great episode. And it, it's you know, and again, much like Tommy was saying earlier, it's an episode where it's a Batman episode, but is it? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, you know. definitely not. And you're introducing nine year olds to Jonah X, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's <laughs> and it again, works. it's one of those. It's it works great. Yeah, it's a really yeah. great episode. But yeah, that's one I think um, doesn't get talked about quite enough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm with you. What about some more? Well, to me, one that I I think it was trying to be, but it gets lost in in its creation is Legends of the Dark Knight. And it's a great I mean, episode. Mm-hmm. It's a great episode. I mean, it. I, I guess it's trying to be that pivotal thing, but people don't really talk about. But for me, it is because all that is Batman, and it's told through the eyes of three kids. And their depiction of what they feel Batman is to me. And it's crazy how, if you think about it, that still plays out today. Yep. In which everyone has their image of what they feel Batman should be. Right. And 
they and then not only do they tell it in that story and in that delivery, but they put out probably the best people who made Batman, despite what he looks like. Now, mm-hmm. whatever you envision him, every person they describe or every version they describe is indelible, like put into the character flawlessly. You know, uh, Bill Finger with the creation, Dick Spring and Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. Even if you've just seen those works specifically, they're still Batman. And they're so widely different. Right. It's terribly different. But yet, they all are Batman. And that's what I like about the uh, the episode. Because as vastly different as those incarnations are, it's still the same, it's the same character, which yeah, is right. insane. Yeah, Zach, you've said it before plenty of times, the idea that he's the character is so versatile, you stick him pretty much anywhere and it works. Yeah. But to me, it's, I, I think it's even, it's one of those things where, I mean, I can't ever, I mean, I can't, you know, this is just me with my conspiracy board in my head and my, my you know, my yarn going from one thing to another. But I, I think that episode specifically um, has to factor into Morrison's run on Batman when Bat, when he was just like, no, it all happened. All the 50s stuff happened. All the 60s mm-hmm. stuff happened. All the 30s stuff happened. Everything goes into my Batman and it all, it's all canon. I play, I'll use all of it. Right. And also, I think it also influences Brave and the Bold because I think Brave and the Bold is one of those shows that had Batman as, you know, he's, he's, I always told people he's a capitalized superhero, but there's still episodes where he's not, you know, you know, it's not so much about, you know, his love for Lady Justice and how he's doing all that stuff, but it's still, it's still, we get a lot of versions of Batman, but I think Legends of the Dark Knight definitely needs to be more talked about than it is because I think it's one of those episodes, as uh, Tommy was saying, that illustrates just how versatile the character is and how well he fits into those different situations, but he's still Batman. Right. And that's, and and conceptually, even apart from that, I think that's another one where like, I mean, the music is so important to it because like you really see, you you get three versions of Batman in that, in that episode, right? You get Dick Sprang version, you get Frank Miller version, and then, and then their Batman. And they had the right music to kind of fit in all three of those worlds for that one episode. That's another one. Like, I want the soundtrack of that episode because the Dark Knight Returns stuff sounded incredible. I thought. And it's clearly like like used when they when they later on like did the, the two-part movie. Right. You know, whatever that was, 15 years later or something. Um, yeah, that's a really strong one. I like that one a lot too. I um I have a million, but really I'll cover two really quick. Uh, I really like a bullet for Bullock because this is the show like this show like made me fall in love with Harvey Bullock mm-hmm. as a character. Um, I do think the show is, uh, you know, did uh, a fair amount of heavy lifting as far as like like the version that we got uh, being sort of the, the one that, that that is prevalent in the comics now. Right. Um that's an adaptation of an of, of an issue. Um, that's right. one of the few that they that they did actually adapt a couple of comic issues, um, and that was one of them. But that's just a it's a neat one where, again, no costume bad guy, just you, you know, uh, somebody that Harvey Bullock arrested at some point is going after them, going after him. And he doesn't know who who it is, and he needs Batman's help to figure it out. And so it's this kind of cool, like Brave and the Bold team up of Batman, uh, with this cop that he doesn't really truly trust that this cop that like can't stand Batman, but needs him for something, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it, that's a great one. I love that one. 
I love that episode. And then the other one, um, weirdly, this is one of the like more worst reviewed episodes of the runs. Um, mm-hmm. terrible trio. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't understand why it's why why people hate on this episode. I just rewatched it. It's really tight. I think it's either you either you like the terrible trio or you're just wrong. I think that's what it is. I think so. (laughs) Exactly. I love the terrible trio. (laughs) I do love love love. But I think, I think um, so Bill Mummy uh uh does the voice of of Fox, who's the ringleader of 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 this group and you know, so clearly I think plays, plays him, uh, 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 damaged in a way that the other two aren't right. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. sense I get from shark and vulture is that they're both kind of like, we're doing this for fun because we're kind of adrenaline junkies and right. we've done everything. And now we're like, we're trying crime and like, right. let's see, let's try our hand at that. But they kind of all have like, like a, like a naive, like, but like we're not gonna really get in trouble, right? But there's a point where like Fox starts to kind of like like no 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 I mean it now like we're in right. this world, guys, you know, um, and I think I think his transition is 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 really well played. The performance is really really well done, but I think it works really well in the episode too. I like I don't get it. I think it's a really good one. Yeah, you're not wrong. Thank you. <laughs> Terrible trio forever and lockup. <laughs> so, all right. So let's start closing out, and we'll f- we'll close out on some uh, some characters that we would have liked to have seen in the show that never appeared. Um, but first, if you like the show, you can check out all of our episodes on YouTube and let me know how it is. dot com. Just please, however you find us, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And finally, if you want to suggest a topic, let us know in the comments, Twitter, or email. You, our Twitter handle is our show's initials at L-M-K-H-I-I, and you can email us at info at letmenowhowitis.com. So, Tommy, you want to start us off? Uh, I'm kind of torn between two, just because I love the run and how they evolved. One, okay, let me see my first one. Catman? Yeah, okay. that would have been great. Uh, I would have loved to see him evolve. Into mm-hmm. being part of the Secret Six, that have made it. That to me, that have been a great spinoff from the version that we got in the Cult of the Cat. He's in the Cult of the Cat, Catman. Yeah, Thomas is Blake he? is. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah, not. Blake it's not is, Catman. Yes. Yeah, it's not yeah. Catman like in costume like we know. He's yes. He's like a suited aristocrat, you know. Yes, I would have loved to have him come into it mm. and evolve over the course of the uh, series. Um, okay. Into what we know him to be now in the DC universe, and the second was Kite Man. I think mm. we deserve to. <laughs> s- I think we deserve to see uh, a a a villain just terrible at the job itself, but just has the penchants to still think he can do stuff. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it'd have been hilarious to think that, like, like to see Batman exacerbated by. Dude, this guy again. You know, just that, just that element. Hmm. Yeah, just yeah. Th- those two characters. With you, I think that would be awesome. But mm-hmm. Tom King has also made me love Kite Man. Yeah, yeah. Also, now. unfortunately, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> Clifton, how about you? Uh, for me, it's hard to keep track because I mean, this universe kept going on so much longer than Batman the Animated Series, and a lot of the ones I would have said 
we mm. did get a lot of uh Huntress. Right. We got later in Justice mm. League. Uh Deadshot is a big one that I think I would have liked to have seen, but then we get him a lot later. stuff. But one that I don't remember ever getting anywhere was black mask. Ah, and I think would have been interesting. We get him later one. in an animated movie, return of the red hood. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, we do. What's it? Is that what it's called? Under the red hood. Under the red hood. Yeah. yeah we, we get, get him, him later on in under the red hood. Um, but yeah, it would have been fun to see him. I was hoping you were going to say Lord Deathman. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know about him yet then. Right. Uh, from the <laughs> from the Batman, the Batmanga of mm-hmm. uh, Japan in the 60s. Love Lord Deathman. I hope we get more of him now. I know, I me too. He existed back then. Yeah. <laughs> Lord Deathman. Yes. He's awesome. No, good picks. Good picks. Frank, how about you? Yeah, this one was pretty easy for me. I thought about it a little bit. I just want to make sure the timeline jived up, but it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish we'd have gotten Tommy Monahan and the Cauldron. Okay. Huh. Um, I thought, you know, yes, I understand that he's a he's a you know he's a killer and he kills people for money and he kills superpowered people, but I still think you could have made it work <laughs> just <laughs> to have him have him on the show. Um. I just thought it would have been cool, and and I checked out, and he's like, "Yep, yeah, he appears in ninety. I think it's ninety three is when his first appearance is." Hmm. Um, but yeah, summer of ninety three. So he would have it would have worked. They could have done it because um, we don't really get him anywhere. You know, I think the only game, like the only mention we get him is outside of the comics so far, has been um, in Arkham Knight. There's a point where you can pass by Noonan's bar. Mm. Which is where he hung out with his buddies, you know, the other the other contract killers that he was friends with. Um and then I think didn't Supergirl have Noonan's as like a like a sit down place they could eat in? But that was, you know, oddly why they why they chose that as as a place. Like I think it was a chain. I don't think it was like Sean Noonan's bar like in, in the Hitman <laughs> comics. He's but. mentioned in Double Date in Justice yeah. League Unlimited. Yeah, you're right. Oh, like never seen. You just hear he he's in a line. He he about to you buy know, a somebody whale, mentions right? him in a line. Um, yeah, I mean, how great is it that Noonan's is popping up like in, in Harley Quinn, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like that, too. But yeah, I would have loved to have seen. Um, and I don't know how that works. I don't know if it's something with, you know, that they wanted to do or, you know, Ennis was I'm sure Ennis might have been OK with it. I don't know. But, mm. um, you know, I, I, that's the one that I wanted the most was I, I thought Tommy could have been a lot of fun. Okay. Just because you don't, because he do, you know, he skirts that whole thing of you know, being a, being a somewhat noble character who also doesn't present all that noble. <laughs> so, and most of the interactions he has with guys in costumes or gals in costumes is usually pretty great. So, right, that's my pick. Cool, another good one. I um, I'm gonna go with uh, Killer Moth. Yeah, uh, definitely. along the same lines that you were you were talking about, Tommy, like, like kind of a loser bad guy, mm-hmm. and and what's that going to be like? I mean, like like to do it with a real one, not like the Condiment King that they, you know, yeah, yeah, um, I agree. But it's also, I mean, it's one of those things too, where like they didn't use it in Batgirl's origin episode, and it just kind of like as much as I love that episode, Shadow of the Bat, uh, part one and two, like it just doesn't it, it doesn't feel right. When you do, when you introduce Batgirl and and Killer Moth's not there, I agree. You know, I agree as well. 
And I would like to see the design. I would love to see him in like in the Tim versed DC animated design too. So, all right. So let's go ahead and call it. Even though I could talk about this forever. As always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on letmeknowhowitis.com. Please remember to like us and follow us on social media, and we will see you guys next week. 